I said I always remember the wood grain beneath my feet in a busy street. I never said I was angry, but I think I'm still in misery. But it's what I needed, and it took me by surprise. Sometimes I think I'm All right, we're here for the season premiere of Shot Callers. Yo, yo. For the 2019-2020 season. Ben, happy to have you back. Buddy, it's always good to be here. What's going on, my brother? Man, so excited to have the network coming back together. At Large Bids in full effect coming soon. We got 48 Minutes obviously doing our thing. Hoop Cinema Blue Chips is coming up soon. But this isn't a complete network without Shot Callers. So, Ben, we, uh, you're DMC right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we brought in a good friend of yours, your longtime, lifelong friend, to join us, Josh Hayes. Hey, how we doing out there tonight? Good, man. Good. It's so cool to have you here on the network. Uh, we want to start kind of giving you a chance to introduce yourself, tell the people about you. So, give the people what they want. Okay. Well, um, first and foremost, um, you know, since we're on this show, you know, talking basketball, I should let everybody know I grew up a... Chicago Bulls fan. Yes, sir. That's terrible. Yes, and, sir. Um, th- oh, now I'm out number three. To- oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with that, um, it probably tells my age that um, I grew up and watched the whole career of uh, one Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So, can obviously see why that was such a big deal growing up. Sure. Uh, getting to watch the Bulls bring home. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six NBA titles in a very short span. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, with my long lost brother over here, Ben Brown, you know, knowing he's a Pacers fan, I know a lot of those Eastern Conference battles had to hurt, uh, having to know that his team could never make it to the promised land because they had to go through number 23. It was um, terrible. <laughs> terrible. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to be here with you guys. Uh, can't wait to talk basketball, and uh, we can get started as soon as you like. Man, I'm really excited, man. I you know, I've known Josh for thirty plus years. You know, we've we grew up together. Uh, we played football together. Uh, we live five minutes from each other now. Uh, we both have kids around the same age, so it's uh it's been really cool to have him come here and get this started um, with the with uh, with shot callers so um, I'm really excited to have him here it's it's a it's a really cool thing and, and I'm just ready to go um, it, me and him we always discuss sports all kinds of sports NBA NFL college football I mean we always have pretty good discussions and I'm ready to get that on a podcast so excited to go yeah I don't think chemistry is gonna be an issue here <laughs> no it's not at all not it's the circle of life <laughs> <laughs> all right so we ready for topic number one? Let's do it. Tim, producer Tim, give us topic number one. All right, topic number one. The state of California has now licensed a bill to start in 2023 to where amateur athletes will now be able to make their name on likeness and their and their name being used. So they'll be able to get some, finally put some money in their pocket. Mm-hmm. So what are your guys' takes on the NCAA now facing a kind of a conundrum that someone kind of overpowering them with this new bill? Um, I always thought the NCAA, uh, being a former college athlete, I always felt like they had a lot of power and control. And it's kind of nice to see, um, that somebody is looking out for the athlete. Um, just in my personal, you know, my personal, um, perspective. uh, And I, of course, I never played on a big stage like Alabama, Georgia, like those guys make millions and millions of dollars. Um, but I was an athlete that, you know, got a scholarship, um, but it was still a struggle, you know, for us to be able to do just simple things in college. And I'm not saying that we made the money that big colleges make, but it would be nice. It would have been nice to have a, you know, decent little money set aside, you know, and I think about all the athletes now, like your Tua's that are down in Alabama, your Jake Fromm's at Georgia, your, you know, your big time college athletes where you're walking around and kids have their jerseys on. You know, and they don't ever see any of that money. They never see any kind of, of, and they're making millions and millions of dollars. I think we looked it up the other day. Alabama athletics alone 
Athletics alone made 140 some odd million dollars last year. 140 million dollars. And I get it. People are going to say, oh, well, that kid's getting a scholarship and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? That scholarship isn't putting, you know, it, it it's good. But if you're making millions of dollars off my likeness, how in the world can you not put aside a fund for me for when I graduate or, or give me some money, you know, give me a little bit of money extra that you're making off of me. Like, and I know that people are going to disagree, you know, but I just think that people don't see the big picture and where these kids come from. A lot of these kids come from broken families. They come from places where it's just not feasible for them to do anything else but go to school. So when you're with a family like that and your family's in poverty and you have an opportunity to make some little bit of money off your likeness in college and maybe to be able to help your family back home and, and do some things. I'm just a big fan of it. I'm a proponent of it. And I'm glad that California has took the steps to be able to make that happen. Very well said. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure where I stand with this because, um, you know, we had some conversation with this earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. And um, I could probably go either way. And, and um, you know, knowing that a school puts forth you know, tons of resources and money for a kid to be allowed to come to their college to get a, um, what I would call a paid for education. And, you know, we're going to use Alabama as the example. Um, because right now when you, when you look at everything that's going on, um, from a football standpoint, um, Alabama is the premier school, um, when it comes to, football mm-hmm. uh the amount of guys they've put in the pros in the last 10 years is just absolutely ridiculous absolutely. and then some of those names are marquee names that are in the nfl right now so you know the rules a little different in college football versus basketball where kids have to go for a minimum of three years or they have to be uh eligible where in college basketball you know it's a one and done deal or you know you have to be the age of 19 before you can uh, be accepted to uh, get your name put in the NFL draft or the NBA draft. My apologies. So I look at it two ways. Um, I think we I think we discussed that to have a fully paid scholarship to go to the University of Alabama out of state mm-hmm. was two hundred and forty thousand dollars. Okay, so. That means the school is giving you a $240,000 education that you don't have to pay for. Mm-hmm. Now, inside of that, especially if you're an athlete, um, there's definitely some some extras that you get on top of that. I mean, you know, you get your meals paid for. Yeah. You get... Yeah. Um, now, especially if you're if your school like Alabama, you're sponsored by Nike. I mean, so you pretty much have everything Nike at your disposal. Yeah. Um, clothing, shoes socks, undergarments. Uh, I mean, you have the work. So um, I'm really interested to see how this is going to work with athletes being able to make money off their likeness when they're already getting everything handed to them with that scholarship. Um, And now, and I granted, if if you're just a, a regular student that gets a scholarship to school like you're also allowed to have an extracurricular, you know, job outside of your scholarship that's allowed for you to make extra money or make ends meet, so you can pay for your gas and you know everything else. Um, but like as a as an athlete, um, you don't get that opportunity. So when it comes to them being able to make the likeliness off of or the money off their likeliness, I'm I'm thinking, how is this going to work if you're a Tua versus um, a red-shirted right. uh, quarterback that's going to maybe see the field or maybe not, like, is this going to be even across the board? Is it going to be you're going to make more than the next person based off of who you are? Right. Um, I think the, the we were kind of joking around and uh, kind of bouncing back to college basketball right now. We all know that number one for Duke last year was Zion Williamson. So, like, if I'm walking around wearing a Duke jersey and I have a number one on it, Right, like, <laughs> right. You, you, you definitely know that that number one jersey was Zion. Right, and 
Um, but his name's not on the back of it. So what what is going to be considered likeliness of an athlete to where they're going to be able to make revenue off of their likeliness? Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that I'm confused on um, or what entails in this law that's going to be passed in the next few years. Yeah, I think that's very difficult. I, I think that's the difficult part of it. Like, I agree with the, the rule. I just don't know how they'll be able to implement it. Because that's going to be the toughest thing is when you're when you're trying to figure out who gets what, where it's supposed to go. I don't, I, I'm not a fan of, of like, giving kids straight cash. You know what I mean? But maybe, like, you know, setting up a fund for when they get out of school. So, like, you know, of course... In basketball, everybody knew Zion Williams was going to be the number one pick. That was that was no question, no qualms. Everybody knew he was the number one. Does he need a fund set aside? Probably not. But you know, it would have been nice if they're like, okay, let's your your jersey sales. We give you, you know, a certain percentage of that, um, of 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 that cost or whatever. And I don't know how that would break down because. Like you said, you know, there's Zion Williamson's and then there's the walk-on. Like, how do you, how do you differentiate the money and the funds between that? So, I don't. I mean, I don't know how that's gonna. I don't know how that's gonna look. But I do think that those kids need to be compensated, um, because it's also their, you know, it's also their bodies that are on the line week after week. I mean, you know, you saw it with like a Jalen Smith who played for Notre Dame. You know, if, if he's making money off his likeness, likeness. And say, well, he doesn't get drafted. Say, nobody drafts him. He's blown out his knee. Now here he sits. He's got a Notre Dame diploma, but, you know, he has no other options. You know, those kids can't, they can't protect their bodies like NFL guys can. So I just think there's got to be some kind of protection for those guys. I, I, you know, especially it's a, it's a billion dollar business. You know what I mean? So. Sounds like we need to. Thank Spencer Strassmore for this because uh, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Shout out the ballers! Shout out the ballers! Definitely, definitely. Um, I just want to add on to that real quick, Ben. Yeah. Um, again, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these young kids, um, and even more so now than ever, mm-hmm. with um, the blow up in social media, and you have rivals and you know you have all these videos from huddle and you have overtime overtime yeah. and you know even facebook you know videos and instagram and twitter and right. the, we're we're learning about these kids before they ever even attempt to set foot on a college campus or a high school campus in some cases yes yeah. even a high school yeah, campus absolutely. we're finding out where these kids are coming out of middle school and they're, they're choosing what high school they want to go to oh yeah and uh oh, yeah. i mean that that's a lot different from when we were younger, um, you know, I remember um, when we were in high school, uh, you remember the show on ESPN that they did? Yeah. Um, um, what was it called? Uh, where they actually brought someone to interview um, an upcoming high school athlete. Yeah. Uh, and um, we had them come to our school. You know, we had a young man that was, you know, about to go get, uh, go play college football and, breaking all these records nationally in football and you know they came and interviewed us for the day and yeah. I was like if you didn't have cable and you didn't have ESPN right like you weren't seeing that and yeah. now at the drop of a dime somebody can um can say like oh man so and so was here and it hits Twitter and within minutes it's trending worldwide yeah, no where doubt. everybody has it and is able to see it at their fingertips. So right. I definitely think that that's a topic that we'll be able to talk about, you know, as as this thing unfolds and we get more information on it. Um, I, I want to say that it doesn't go into effect into 2023. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you this. If other states don't get aboard and come on board with this in the years 2023, all those California schools are going to be one up on everybody else because yeah. everybody's going to want to go to a California school because they know they're going to be able to make that moolah. Yeah. I mean, and that's where you're, and that's where it's going to be. I mean, everybody's going to be looking at, okay, if no other state's on board, then I've got to go where I can at least make some money, you know, which makes UCLA, USC, it makes those guys, you know, big time players, especially because they've got the reputation. You know what I mean? So. The Colonel will finally be able to recruit. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. 
It, only Mick Cronin could mess that up. And he may not even be there in 2023. Let's yeah, be, let's be let's, honest. Let's be honest about that. Yeah. So. All right. I think we're ready for topic number two, producer Tim. All right. Topic number two, gentlemen. The Houston Rockets and general manager Derek Morey apparently in a limbo over a recent tweet. According to the ringer's John Gonzalez, Daryl Morey had recently put a tweet out on Friday while the Houston was doing their Chinese basketball tour uh, supporting Hong Kong and the China versus Hong Kong debate. Now, for those who don't understand what's going on, uh, Hong Kong and China are very, very big dividends. They are not seeing eye to eye on a lot of things. And it led to uh, Tony Fertitta having to come out and... Is it Tillman or is it Lorenzo? One of the, the non-UFC owner. Yeah. yeah. Is, uh, the owner of the Rockets. Owner of the Rockets, yeah. Came out and had a, had, a, had a release a statement. And there were rumors that the Rockets debate discussed moving on from Daryl Morey. So, Benny, should the Rockets have moved on from Daryl Morey? Um, I think when you're in that position, you're the, you know, you're the GM of the Rockets. And you know there's... <laughs> Your relationship with China is huge. Especially them. Especially the Rockets. I mean, Yao Ming is the ambassador. So, I mean, it's like you have to know what you say and what you tweet is going to be, it's going to be, it's not going to be good for your relationship with China. If you're, you know, if you're up here saying democracy for Hong Kong, like, you know, those relationships aren't good. Um, I, I, I don't know if you need to separate completely from him, but there there has to be some kind of, like it would be just like if a player did something like that. It has to be some kind of suspension, some kind yeah. of fine. Um, you can't just let it go. Um, I, I think that there has to be some kind of reprimand for him because, you know, that's that's bigger than basketball, you know what I mean? You know, and it, it's sad though. The the sad part about that is that you that he is just a guy speaking his mind, yet it's it's seen as such a negative thing because your relationship with China is just is so tight. You should just know better than to say something like that. Um, especially putting yourself in that kind of position uh, where you are now, you you can't do that kind of stuff. You've got to you have to understand where you're at and what your position is, and you know there has to be some kind of reprimand fine suspension however you want to do it um i i would treat it just like you would treat a player you know when a when a player you know puts something out derogatory or negative there there's fines they, I, don't, I don't know if a player's ever been suspended for a tweet but there's definitely fines and he needs to be fined i mean because it's just not your place you know I yeah mean, so absolutely yeah i'm with ben on this um i mean like he said uh, probably the biggest thing to ever come out of China for the NBA was Yao Ming. I mean, I can distinctly remember this guy having a broken foot and not even playing in the league and leading the all-star voting for multiple years. Um, that's how big Yao Ming was uh, to China and to the global game of the NBA. And... Um, for the Rockets to have a, what I would say, an intimate relationship with China, mm-hmm. and for him to tweet something like that is definitely could be catastrophic to the NBA itself, not just the Rockets, but for the whole brand. And uh, there's going to have to be some type of reprimand to it. And I could maybe even see the Rockets going as far as relieving him of his duties and finding somebody else to come in and take over. So, um, you know, that's, this is something I just found out about, but, um, you know, I definitely think that that is, that is probably going to be an option for them. And I worst case scenario, I mean, there's probably a, a big fine that's going to come out of this. Um, I, I don't know what other route they would go, but I say worst case scenario, um, for the Rockets, obviously, is you have to let him go. And I think best case scenario is there's a hefty fine involved. Yeah. There, I think you have to. Um, you were talking about, uh, for, for, is it Furtada? Tillman, Furtida, yeah. Yeah, Furtida. And in his tweet, it says, listen, at D. Mori, who is, you know, yes. does not speak for the Houston Rockets. Our presence in Tokyo is all about the promotion 
of the NBA internationally, and we are not a political organization. So, I mean, he's coming out. I mean, because he's coming out even not only protecting the Rockets, but I mean, this is the NBA. Like, yeah, you're you're you know that's that's not that's not good. Um, it's not good when you put a black eye on the NBA when you're starting to step into politics. You know, and we've, you know, you've learned from the NBA that, like, you know, they are all about social issues. They're all about things going on, but they do not dabble into politics. They don't. Nope. You know, you'll never see guys, you know, being political. You know, they won't wear political shirts. They won't. Now, they'll do activism, which is different from politics. They'll do activism, but they don't mess with politics. You know, a few guys have, you know, when they you know, even with even with the president, they don't even now they'll say some things, but like they don't even get into all of that really too much. They they try to steer clear of it. So, but um, and this and this just goes to show you how serious this is. Um, I don't know why I have a hard time saying his name. Is it Fertitta? Does that sound? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Fertitta. He he's actually came out as saying that he feels that Daryl is the best GM in the league. Mm-hmm. And they have said that multiple times where they feel like he's on our side and he's the best, but they feel like their relationship with China and the, and the NBA brand is even more important that um, they've already discussed and probably will keep discussing if he needs to be removed from his position or not. So that's definitely something that we need to keep, uh, keep on the, yeah. on the hot burner and, and, and as you know that stuff comes up and we find out and we happen to be on we can talk about it and and see where this goes but um, I, I don't think it's looking good for him at this point no I don't I, I think it's it's not a good look at all not a good look at all so producer Tim let's go number three topic three topic folks three. we finally have on the court basketball to talk about it is finally here. Yes. We can finally see that we saw some games. Yes. We have some highlights to discuss, including Houston Rockets star James Harden trying his new weird footstep that, once again, people wonder, is this a travel? Uh, mm. uh, <laughs> That's, yeah. I'm over it. I'm over it, too. I, uh, I, I, I have a kind of a funny story because um, my kids both play basketball uh, along with Ben's. We, yeah. Our kids play ball together. And my son was in the gym today during timeouts practicing this shot. And I was looking at him like, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> and he was like, Dad, he's like, if, if I get a chance to do this in a game, he's like, would you be okay if I did it? I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. I was like, one, I said, I'm pretty sure you're traveling. I said, two, it makes no sense. He's like, but I made one. I was like, well, you made one more than Harden did because he hasn't made one yet. <laughs> he, was, he hasn't hit one yet. You know, he's like, I want He's like, I want it to be my signature. I want it to be like Kareem's hook shot. I'm like, Kareem's hook shot went in a lot. This <laughs> one footed jump shot, hey, not looking good right I'm now. All for, I'm all for guys, you know, trying to find out what's the next big move that you can get yourself to the basket and score. But like, Harden's move makes no sense whatsoever. No. Fading to the side on one leg to shoot a jump shot. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't know. It does. It just doesn't. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it's hard, man. I mean, a guy. He's unique. Let's say that. Yes, he is. <laughs> so, also, his whole like banter against Giannis and saying that the media took the MVP away from him. No, not yeah. down with that. Yeah. But yeah. other highlights we can discuss includes Terry Rozier goes back to Boston today. No one cares? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Me neither. All right. Yeah, we see the Clippers play, and we now know Paul George is going to be out for at least a month. Yeah. And obviously the thing everyone's talking about is the Los Angeles Lakers, with their new dynamic duo, made their debut last night in the brand-new Chase Arena in San Francisco playing mm-hmm. the Golden State Warriors, where we saw Anthony Davis put up 17-7 and seven mm-hmm. in the first quarter alone. Now, gentlemen, is this a big deal, or is this just preseason? Um... I will tell you, I'm not a big preseason guy. I got a feeling we're going to disagree. <laughs> and um, although I definitely think it was fantastic to see those guys on the court together, um, and we'll get into this discussion later as we talk about um, the Western Conference in the NBA. 
and where I think that the Lakers are going to finish. Um, I think the the little bit of the spark that you know is probably giving Lakers fans hope right now um, was was a big deal. I mean, you know, they also opened up in the Chase Center, which uh, you know was where it was going to be the new home of the Warriors. Um, it was dominating for those two guys to be on the floor together at the same time for that short period of time. Mm-hmm. But I just still think it's the preseason. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, you know, guys are trying to figure out what's going to be rotations. And, you know, we have all these teams with new acquisitions on them. And, you know, people are trying to fill out. We already know that a healthy Anthony Davis is probably a top three player in the league. Mm-hmm. And I would probably go that route. Absolutely. Um, a, a healthy, 100% charged LeBron, we'll say that, is probably still top dog in the league. Um, he's starting to be a little bit on a decline probably, but you know, when push comes to shove, best all-around player in basketball. So you got arguably two of the top five guys on the same team. Agree. But it's preseason. <laughs> <laughs> show me that. Show me that in the money run. Show me that in the stretch, and, yeah. and, and we can talk about this at another time. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I also would agree with um, it's always good when you can see your horses get out and run a little bit and see what the what the possibilities are. Um, I think that's the cool thing about all of this is that you can see. Like the basketball IQ of LeBron, like during like fast breaks and and moving in their motion offense, and him and Rondo, who are two arguably the two smartest guys on the court, you know you can see them putting people in spots and moving around, and you know Anthony Davis pick and roll and the pocket passes, and he's able to fit. I mean, it's only the preseason, but you can definitely see Anthony Davis. And, and while you're talking. I just want to say Rondo's basketball IQ is so underappreciated; it's yeah. not even funny. Yeah, Rondo is super. Like he's just a, and people always say stuff about whatever you know, shooting ability. That guy is a floor general and a leader, and I I love when he's on the floor, and I love I like actually like that the Lakers brought him back. Um, but you can just see all that stuff kind of get put together, um, and you can see how that's going to look. Um, especially when you you also going to bring back in a Kyle Kuzma who's who's out, um, um, and then you also you'll have a Dwight Howard also working. He looked good. He looked good. I'm telling you, it, it's going to be there's going to be some things there we're going to start seeing. And I know it's just the preseason. I know it's just you know right now they're just looking and everybody's not playing the the exact minutes and and you know switching positions. But to me to see that. And, and how good they looked as far as their positioning on the floor and the, when they were running and the way Anthony Davis was getting up down the floor. Dwight Howard actually looked like he was in shape and ready to play basketball. Um, I, I was I was impressed. I was Especially, too, you're opening up a brand new arena at Golden State. And people are like, oh, it's just a preseason, blah, blah, blah. But there was some charge in that building. I mean, people were excited about seeing that game, so... Um, I was really, I was, I was really excited to see it. Now it, it is just a preseason game, but I, I definitely was excited to see it because I think they're going to be a lot better than what people were giving them credit to be. Because when they, I think people thought that when they lost Boogie Cousins, oh man, you know they're not going to be. But Anthony Davis and LeBron on the same team, I'll pay for that. All yeah, day. and we'll, and like I said, we'll save this for later on. But the one thing that I am, I am interested to see though is when the Lakers go LeBron at the point. Which they did last night. And mm-hmm. Danny Green at the at the two. And Kuzma at the three. So this is what and they... Davis at the four. Yeah. And Howard at the five. Yeah. That is going to be a scary lineup. This is what they ran last night. This was their starters. The guards were LeBron and Avery Bradley. Danny Green at the three. Anthony Davis at the four. JaVale McGee at the five. Yeah, and I, and I think that by the time it's all said and done and Kuzma's healthy... That's the 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 lineup that we talked about. When they run that lineup, they're going to be very hard to defend. Oh yeah. Um, one thing that we've never really got to see LeBron do in his career is be the true one. I don't think. I mean, there's been games and flashes where they put him there and they have him run the offense, but to be that guy all the right. time, I think that's going to be really scary. And all I can think of 
is 80s. Oh, yeah. Oh, Showtime. Showtime. 80s Showtime. It's all I can think of. Yeah. Because he is a big, fast freight train that may see the floor better than anyone that's ever played the game. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think that he's, he, you know, LeBron's IQ and basketball knowledge, um, I think that him at the point um, gives you such a distinct advantage and so many mismatches that it's going to give a lot of people fits. It's going to give a lot of people fits. Do you also notice headband Bron? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's in He's in the zone. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So some other highlights that stuck out, see if you guys want to touch on these at all. Uh, Markel Fultz finally was playing basketball last night. Mm-hmm. Had a fast break run. He only played about you know seventeen minutes. He had six and four. Um, shot three of eight from the field. So the jump shot looks nicer. I'm yeah. just not there yet. Yeah. Um, the Jazz obviously I know they were playing a overseas team, uh, but we finally got to see a little bit of the. No, they didn't even play Mitchell and uh, Conley. Um, and by the way, the Jazz played the Thirty Sixers. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever that is. The th- they played the 36ers. Is that the team the Globetrotters play? Yeah. Uh, is that the equivalent yeah. of the Generals? That's the, that's, <laughs> Washington, that's the Washington Generals, no doubt. And lastly, we saw the debut of John Moran when he put up 10 points and 7 assists. Yes. So. And he looked good. I mean, he, did. he looked good. He looked natural. The athleticism is definitely not an issue with him. Yeah. Um, I think the turnovers is the only thing that really necessarily worries me about his career in the NBA. But, yeah. you know, that that's any young point guard. Yeah, and, like, we talk about that. He's going to have to learn like Russell, Russell Westbrook had to learn. You know what I mean? Like, um, athleticism is great, but taking control of the basketball and carry the basketball is even more important. So he'll, he'll, he'll learn that as a, as a young guy. I don't know if you guys caught this either, and, I again, I know it's preseason, but it seems like, James Harden is already in season form, putting up 37, 7, and Triple 7. Triple doubles in the first half. In a half. preseason game. Like, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, he's he's already, I mean, outside of the one-footed three-pointer. But, yeah, he's already, he's he's locked in, man. I think out. he sees this is his window. Uh, he's got Russ there. Of course, we all know, I think that relationship with Chris Paul was a lot worse than what we even imagined. Um, so now that he's got his boy Russ there, it'll be interesting to see how those. You two know what I've learned in a lot of this. Off. What's that? Is uh, the common denominator in a lot of this stuff is Chris Paul, and everybody talks about how he's he's a dog and he just wants to win and he's all aggressive. But it seems like every one of these spats and fights and issues. I mean, you can look at the the issue with Rondo last year. Yeah, I mean he's always at the tail end of it. And he seems like he's the guy that does the hitting first and then puts his hands up and he's like, what? What? What did I do? So it'd be interesting, man, just to be able to get inside one of those um, relationships and just see the dynamic of, like, who's really at fault. Because, like I said, like, you look at Chris Paul and, um, you know, I talk basketball with my kids all the time. And, you know, Chris Paul to me is is arguably one of the greatest point guards to ever play basketball. Agreed. His, yeah. his assist to turnover ratio is unreal. And he just knows how to run a team. But, like, he's never been able to get a team past that hump, ever. Yeah. So there's always been something missing, whether it's him hurt or, you know, he cries about not having enough. Or, I mean, a couple of those teams he had with the Clippers, I mean, they ever were as good as any team that oh, won yeah. a championship. So. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. Agreed. Completely. Yeah, the last thing I want to touch on before we move on, the Pacers did play in India against yeah, the, the baby. Kings for a couple Pacers. games. Yeah, and baby. And they good. Buddy, I'm excited, man. I, and we talked about this in the preseason. Um, like, I'm just excited about the new guys they have. TJ Warren play lights out. Um, I, I'm just really excited to see him. <laughs> Edmund Sumner played really good. Yeah, Edmund Sumner did have good, two did, good runs. How did Brogdon look? Brogdon looked really good, man. He looked really good. I'm just really excited. I cannot wait till Oladipo gets back in this lineup, um, and and it's going full force. Um, the guys that they picked up, I you know, have been good. God, freaking Sabonis looked good. Uh, Miles Turner looks like he's in form. I think playing on that U.S. team would really help Miles Turner. Um, he's yeah, he's he looked like he was in season form. Very 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 excited about the way they looked, um, and that's a good Kings team. That. That Kings team is is young. They love to run. Um, yeah, they're they are uh, 
They looked really good. I was excited. I was really excited about the Pacers. We'll definitely get to talk about about that young Kings team in a minute. Um, really sad to see the Pacers let uh, Bogdanovich go. Yeah, that was a big and loss. Yeah. We'll get to talk about him here in a second too. But what what a big fan am I of him? Yeah, and yeah, it, that that one was huge. That was huge. Um, and Corey, jo- I didn't like losing Corey Joseph either. But um, yeah, I, but I think bringing back, you know, what we got in return with Brogdon and TJ Warren, I'm I'm excited. You got all the holiday family. And we got the, yeah, we got all the, of them but one. All of them but one. <laughs> the, whoa, the one you know that you know is a dog. People want, yeah, yeah, the one that we really want. But no, nah, I, I mean Aaron and Justin are good. I mean they'll they'll do a great job. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about this team, man. I, like we said, they'll be top top four or five in that East. I mean, they'll be they'll be right there battling. So, yes, I absolutely agree. All right, gentlemen. So while Sean and I on 48 minutes have been doing the division previews for the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. we decided we'd have you guys for the Western Conference. And we're going to start with probably the best conference in the NBA. I mean, the best division in the NBA. That's the Pacific Division. Mm-hmm. So this division is loaded, obviously. We've talked about a few of those teams already in the conversation today. Um, but we're going to just go through the teams, talk about like the additions and subtractions, and how we think this seems will pan out for the team. And at the end of this, we'll do our predictions for how the division standings will go. Sounds good. Are you going to give us team number one? Team number one. We're going to start a little easy here, guys. We're going to go to Phoenix Suns because, you know, it's just an easy conversation. DeAndre Ayton's still there going into his second year. Devin Booker's going into his next year. Mm-hmm. They bring in Ricky Rubio, so Devin Booker finally has a decent point guard. Mm-hmm. But the questionable decision to draft Cam Johnson, the 11th pick, a 23-year-old rookie, yeah. who is as old as Devin Booker, has been in the league for about four years, and really you know, losing T.J. Warren, like we discussed, obviously. Yeah. So this team is really going to be like these young guys like Mikhail Bridges, like Devin Booker, and like Cam Johnson, Ty Jerome, Tyler Johnson, to come and make a step. How much or will this team improve? Where do you see this team lining up for next season? Um, I, I think they'll get. I think they'll pick up five wins somewhere than they had last year. Um, I don't think that they're. Of course, they're definitely not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make any kind of run. I do think they'll be better. I think Rubio will help some. You know, being an established point guard, um, Booker's got to play out of his mind. Um, you know, in order for them to have any kind of success. Uh, but I don't see them making any kind of noticeable differences. They may pick, like I said, three to five more wins than what they had last year. Um, I'm not sure. What was their record so they year? So they finished 19 and 63. Yeah. Uh, they, they can get to 23 wins. I, I, I think that's 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 feasible. That 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 division is just so hard, man. Yes. It's such a tough division to we pick up We have to play wins. all those teams four times. Yeah, like... You, you you're not gonna get a you don't ever really get a night off and you're usually other teams night off so right if you're the Suns so um but yeah like you just never get you never ever get a night off in that division so um, I can see them getting four or five more wins just because Rubio will help some Devin Booker's got to play lights out um but other than that, I don't I don't think they've made enough strides. In order to make them like a thirty-win team, I don't think it's going to happen. No. So you're you're saying they're they're pretty much where they're at now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. they are who we thought they were. I will tell you, um, you know, with my um, full-time job, I, I I get to stay up late and watch a lot of the Western Conference games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got to see Phoenix play a, a, a probably more than some of the other teams that you would think that I would get to watch play. And um, there, there's definitely some talent on that team. Yeah. They're young, but there's some talent. And we both know, and Tim, I'm sure you know, like Aiton, by the time he gets to his prime, is going to be really hard to oh, deal yeah. with. And we've already seen the growth of, of what Devin Booker can do. Yeah, I mean, this cat's already put up 70 in a game, and... Um, I said when he was at Kentucky, and you know, luckily for us, we see probably more UK games than anybody. I had always wondered why he never touched the ball more at UK because he's been arguably the greatest pure shooter that I've seen come out of that school in the past probably 20, 25 years. Right. So if he gets hot, and and I really truly feel like 
those two together and you get them another potential superstar where they have their really young potential of having a big three, kind of like how Oklahoma City was with Harden, Westbrook, and Durant, Mm -hmm. I think that they are going to cause some trouble down the road. Uh, It's just not going to be next year. (laughs) (laughs) You don't say. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Next up, the Sacramento Kings, who have made who made a tons of big strides last year, including at the trade deadline trading for Harrison Barnes. Not only that, keeping him on the team. They also bring in Trevor Ariza. They bring in Dwayne Dedman. They obviously have De'Aaron Fox going into his third year. They have Buddy Heald, who's one of the best shooters in the NBA. And most importantly, Luke Walton is now running the show. Mm-hmm. You could tell Luke Walton those first two years with the Lakers was having a lot more fun than last year when he yeah. was able to coach young guys. Yeah. And really kind of so now he kind of is in that situation again. <clears throat> they have maybe the you know the most improved point guard in the NBA in the last last year from the year before to last year. Oh yeah. Ben, I know you love this team. I do. What do you think? Um, like I said, man, they're in the toughest division. Um, I really like them though. Like I, I really do think um, that they could possibly make a playoff run. I really do. Um, De'Aaron Fox is only going to get better. Um, he's he made so many strides from year two to three, and now going into year four, right for him. Year three. No, year three. So he made strides from one to two, and then going into this is going into year three. I think that um, I, I would love to see him be an all star this year. Um, I love Buddy Heald. I think Buddy Buddy Heald um, is another guy that I think that you know he's played really well. Um, they got so much young ta- talent with Giles, Bagley, Barnes. I mean, they've got a ton of Bielitsa. I mean, they got. Bogdanovich, they got tons of talent out there, uh, and it's young talent, man. It, they've got tons of young talent. I'm really excited about this team. Um, I'm hoping that they make a playoff run. Um, I'd love to see them see get that eight seed. Um, it's very, like we said, we talked about. It, it's very difficult in that division. It's hard to pick up wins, but I really think that they can sneak up on some teams and beat some of those quality teams to get the wins they need to get into the playoffs. Um, of the young teams, um, they're 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 probably one of my favorites. They're they're absolutely one of my favorites. They're for sure a league pass team. Oh gosh, no doubt about it. If, if they're on league pass, now granted they're on the West Coast and it's ten thirty, but you gotta watch. You gotta watch. I, I love their athleticism. I love how they get up and down the floor. Um, they they run. They can shoot. Um, I think that they've got a lot of talent there. Um, in order to make some things uh, happen. I'm very excited about this team. My team of the West. My Sacramento Kings. <laughs> um, so, last year, 39-43. and 43, mm-hmm. uh, They finished number nine. Uh, the, 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 the really bad thing about the Western Conference, and this has been like this for years now, the eighth seed finished 14 games over 500. So, they were yeah. four games under. So, they were, you know, ten games back or... Whatever it is, um, they were at the end of the season. They were right there, yeah. fighting for that playoff spot with the Clippers. And I just think that they were just too young and too inexperienced yeah. um, to make that run down the stretch. Yeah. So, um, looking, I'm really looking to see if uh, Bagley can step up and uh, definitely improve from last season. Um, Harrison Barnes is probably what you would consider a veteran on that team. Yeah. Um, hopefully his leadership shines through. Um, De'Aaron Fox, um, man, is he such a, a good young talent. Um, he, he reminds me a lot of, uh, John Wall, uh, the, a young D Rose. And I don't want anybody to get upset me about this. But when I say that I'm talking about, his straight line speed with the basketball in yeah. his hand, getting up and down the floor, and um, Buddy Hill. I mean, that guy right there, man. He could probably be one of the elite shooters in the NBA. Um, and they're so young, um, and they have they definitely have more talent on their roster than what the Phoenix Suns do. Yeah, so yeah. they had a lot of games last year that could have went either way. They lost some really tough close games, and. Um, you know, they didn't make a super big splash like the Lakers did. Right. But 
Um, I'm with you, Ben. I, I think they're right in that same spot. Maybe, um, maybe potentially sneaking in and getting that number eight seed. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that they're, they're going to be better than the Thunder, who, who made the playoffs last year. Um, and I think they possibly be better than the Spurs. Okay. So that gives Ooh. you, that puts you in the 7-8. Now, you know, if you're looking at it, um, they're not better than the Jazz, not better than the Rockets, not better than the Blazers, not better than the Nuggets, not better than the Warriors. You know what I mean? Right. So, but those bottom tier teams, they finished the season 3-7, and seven, the Kings did last year. 3-7. and seven. So, you know, if you, if, if, Two of those are wins and five and five. They're in the playoffs, so I mean they're right there, they're right there. So I'm um I'm really really excited about that team. I I really like this Kings team. Yeah, I'm the same way. The defending Western Conference champions, Golden State Warriors. Now uh, here we go. We're opening a new arena in Golden State, as we mentioned earlier, for the yes. Warriors. Um, out Kevin Durant. Yes. Out until February at least. Clay Thompson. Yes. In. D'Angelo Russell, in Willie Cauley-Stein. The draft pick selection of Jordan Poole from Michigan, late first round where a lot mm-hmm. of people had him going at the end of the second in general. Mm-hmm. Um, bring in Omari Spellman, bring in Eric Pascal, who I loved a lot at Villanova. Yeah. So this is a team a lot of people are counting out. But I think us, the three of us in this room have always fought all year. This team is not over with. Yeah, I'm going to start off with this one. Um, I probably watched more Golden State games last year than any team combined. Um, my youngest son is a huge. He was a huge Kevin Durant fan. Mm-hmm. So anytime that Golden State was playing, it was on TV. Plus, they probably got more televised games than anybody. Um, you know, being the defending champs and all. Mm-hmm. But um, I tell you what, if they can hold on to get Clay back after the All-Star break. And they're sitting, even if they're not in the playoff race, but they're sitting in that like 9, 10, 11 range, and he comes back and he can even give you 80% of himself, they're going to make the playoffs. And what I don't think people realize about Golden State is that, yeah, they had Kevin Durant, who... When we get to talking on this show later on, you're going to learn from me, I think, is the greatest talent in the NBA when it comes to pure scoring. There's no one that can defend that guy. When he wants to put the ball on the floor, when he wants to shoot, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, And then you have the X factor, which is Steph Curry. We've never, ever seen a player in the NBA like this guy before. Mm -hmm. Um, He does things that... I am in awe of every single night that I watch basketball and he's on the floor. He's he's literally instant offense, and he can probably put him up in a bunch about as fast as anybody I've ever seen score. Then you have Draymond, who some people think he's overrated. Some people think he's the perfect fit for that Golden State team. Uh, he's kind of Mr. Everything. Um, I will tell you, when push comes to shove and you need a guy on your team that's the legit emotional leader, like, he's your guy. Um, he he carries his emotions on his sleeve, sometimes a little too much, but he's one of those guys that I put up there with LeBron. Like, his basketball IQ is unreal, mm-hmm. um, just how he sees the floor and what he does. Um, another guy that I don't think gets a lot of credit in Golden State is Kevin Looney. Um, if you watched any of their games last year when he was on the floor, they were a much better team with him on the floor as their center than any player that they had. And um, so other than that, you're going to take off Kevin Durant, and now we add D'Angelo Russell, who Eastern Conference All-Star led the Nets to the playoffs. Um, Steve Kerr has this knack for getting guys to play a role in that offense. And I know that they didn't get the greatest showing that they wanted in their first game with D'Angelo and and the the Golden State Warriors for that matter. But um, I think that D'Angelo Russell is going to fit what they need until they get Clay back. And then they got a rim protector in Willie Colley Stein, which I actually think will hurt the Kings a little bit, um, not having him there. 
but it gives them, um, I would probably say defensively, um, maybe a better version of Jamel McGee when it comes on the defensive side. Yeah. JaVale might be a little bit better offensively, but I think Willie Colley-Stein might be a little better defensively. Um, so I, I don't really think that they're going to fall off that bit. Um, they'll probably roll around middle of the pack, um, kind of lower tier, That like I said, that 7-8-9 spot. Um, but I think they're going to be okay. Um, I think the biggest part for them is what they lost on the bench. Um, losing Iggy. Yeah. Losing Levingston, losing Drepko, um, losing guys like Jordan Bell. Um, you know, they're um they're 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 gonna struggle. And I think that if anybody is gonna be able to keep that team in a position to make a run, it's Steve Kerr. Um I think he's been brilliant with what he's done there. Um and I think that Mark Jackson built the blueprint to hand it off to him. And uh, I think moving forward, I really, truly think that Golden State is is going to be a team that nobody wants to play come playoff time. I would agree with that. Um, I do think they'll make the playoffs. I would never doubt Steph, Steph Curry. Nope. So I don't care who they don't have. <laughs> doesn't matter who they don't have, who they – like I would never doubt Steph Curry. I I I do agree with you, Josh, on that. Um, and I also believe that Draymond will be the Draymond we saw in the playoffs and not during the season. So you have that, and I do think that sometimes, you know, I think that D'Angelo Russell will be better than what people think he's going to be. Um, only for the simple fact that you're you're playing with a team that has a standard. And when you're playing with a team that has a standard, it's almost like it's almost like when Dennis Rodman left the Spurs and went to the Bulls. Like the Dennis Rodman at the Spurs was a lot different than the one you saw with the Bulls. Because they had a standard. You had a Michael Jordan who could who could, you know, talk to Dennis. You had a Scottie Pippen who could talk to Dennis. You had Phil Jackson who could talk to Dennis. Hey, this is what Scotty, Scotty. <laughs> they pull that little triangle up. You know, but they, those guys have a standard, and you know you don't become, you know you don't become champions by letting people affect what you do by the way that, it, that you know by the way of your actions. So I do think that I really do think that D'Angelo Russell will have success there. I think Steph Curry is going to be Steph Curry. Uh, I think Draymond is going to be Dray. I think Willie Colley Stein. I think will help them defensive, defensively. Defensive Player of the Year Draymond candidate. Oh Draymond? yeah, yeah. I mean. He, I think he's always going to be that guy. I think he really learned a lot about himself going into that playoffs. You could see that he was back to his old self. You could see that he was back to the Draymond Green who's making the little thing, little plays. You could see he was the Draymond Green that was hustling after loose balls, bringing energy. You know, you could see that he was that guy um, once the playoffs started. And he admitted, you know, I got caught up in yelling at the refs. I got, you know, I was not eating healthy. I wasn't doing the things that made me a champion. So now I think that he's got that switch turn, and I think that he's going to be that guy. Once Clay gets back, it only helps helps their cause. Um, but I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll be fine until Clay gets back. They'll be middle of the road, 4-5 seed. Um, like I said, D'Angelo Russell, I think, is going to be a lot better than what people were, were expecting from him. Um, and then I'm never, I will never doubt Steph Curry. And you know what a lot of people don't realize, too, is that before they had Kevin Durant, Right. The only thing that was different was Steph and Clay were shooting more. Right. I don't really think that's a bad thing. No, not at all. <laughs> I don't. Especially, you know, Tim and I had a conversation, you know, uh, uh, a couple weeks ago about, and you know, we can play the what if game, but, you know, if Clay doesn't tear his ACL, and everybody knows Clay's nickname is Game Six Clay, he was already going on that Game Six run. Yeah. We could be talking a, a whole different conversation right now with the way the shape of the NBA is. You know, Kevin Durant might not left Golden State. Right. Kawhi Leonard might be a Laker. Um, yeah. He might have stayed in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, so many things could have changed, but we are where we are right now. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. But yeah, I don't. I don't doubt. I don't doubt Golden State at all. I think they'll be fine. 
little spoiler alert when we do our votes in a couple weeks for our predictions steph curry's gonna be my mvp okay <laughs> okay let everyone know that now all right all right you know one 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 more quick thing about steph curry i don't think people realize is that this guy is probably one of the best leaders um, on his team in the NBA, but he's so quiet that you don't notice how good of a leader he really is. Um, he, he was able to calm all that stuff down to get these guys just to play basketball in Golden State. And we right. knew that there was a situation there where uh, they almost that almost had a meltdown. And uh, I think he was the one that was able to keep it chill. So... The Clippers. The Clippers. Bring in Kawhi Leonard. They trade for Paul George, and they give up basically their franchise <laughs> for a two-year risk, mm-hmm. which you got to do. Um, that's not what I'm saying. Still there, Patrick Beverly. Still there, Montrez Harrell. Bringing in those two, as in Kawhi and Paul George. The defense we know won't be a problem. We know that they have two great two-way players in Kawhi and Paul George who are going to get at you at every play. But... After that, guys, they bring in guys like Rodney Magruder. Dig it. Mm-hmm. Landry Schmidt's still there from the Tobias Harris trade last year. Jerome Robinson looks to be healthy, and of course, as Josh knows near and dear, Lou Williams is still a member of the Los Angeles Clippers. This is the team a lot of people think is the NBA title favorite. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about the Clippers? Um, I love this. I love the Clippers. <laughs> Yeah, I know I said that about the Kings, but I do love this Clippers team. I, I think that the Clippers, um, defensively, once they get all their guys back, that'll be team lockdown. I mean, that I mean, Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi, Montrez Harrell. I mean, they will be team lockdown. You better trademark you, that because um, you, I don't want the Clippers out there wearing I know, team lockdown hey, shirts. Team, <laughs> hey, you put, hey, put it on her. Team lockdown. Those guys are all defensive-minded individuals, and I think that it'll be a lot of fun to watch them play. Um, that team was competitive without Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, so now you're bringing in two of the top ten players in the league, and and you know Kawhi's coming off of a you know a, an NBA championship. We've all saw what Paul George could do when he was uh, at OKC last year. Um, you know, he was the leader of that team. I, I, you know, he was, you know, Russell Westbrook was the triple double guy, but Paul George was the man. He took all the big shots. He did everything that needed to be done. So I'm, I'm really excited about seeing this team together. Um, Lou Williams is Lou Williams. He's going to give you buckets every time. Automatic buckets. Automatic buckets. Landry Shamit, that guy, he's came out of nowhere and just been unreal. Uh, shooting the ball. Montrez Harrell is a dog. Um, uh, yeah, I just love this team. I, I think this team, uh, from top to bottom, um, they've got to be the NBA championship favorites, in my, I mean, in my mind. I mean, they got to be. Um, yeah. I, I, I only have one concern with the Clippers. Just one. When you get into a series with a team that we'll be talking about very soon. I feel like they're undersized to be able to compete in a series. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like they really made a move to, to protect their rim. Yeah. And, you know, really the only experience they have is Montrez Harrell. So, you know, I know they got uh, Zubak from the Lakers, yeah, but I'm not really sure how he's going to be. Is he going to be a, a 25 to 30 minute a night guy? Right. Um, do they have anybody that can back him up? Are they going to play Montrez and Patterson at the five to be able to have to guard you know these seven footers in the league or? Are they going to try to flip the script and do a lot of what Golden State did and play small ball and make people come guard them? Right. Because there's there's no there's no center that can guard Montrezl Harrell. He's too fast yeah. off the dribble, yeah. and um, he he's he's just he's just an energizer bunny out there. I mean, he's constantly just moving all the time. But then you have the other two guys that 
I don't think anybody in the league has anybody that can guard these two guys on the floor together. Right. I mean, Kawhi proved in the playoffs this past year that like he's unguardable. I, I don't really think anybody can guard Kawhi. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with um, that. I think Paul George was a couple bad Russell Westbrook games away from maybe being <laughs> the MVP. And I do mean that. I think Russell Westbrook cost Paul George the MVP. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> His own personal stat game caused Paul, Paul. I mean, that guy was playing insane for. Yeah. I mean, on both sides of the ball, I mean, two, three steals a game. Yeah. You know, averaging. I mean, he went on a streak where he was averaging in the high twenties, low thirties. I mean, he just they ran out of gas and. But yeah, I think the Clippers. I think everything you mentioned about the Clippers, it's going to be a dogfight. Yeah, and um, it's going to be really interesting to see. That's my only concern with the Clippers is their size on the backcourt or their frontcourt. Apologies. Yeah. Um, to see what they're going to be able to do um, when they have to some, play some of these bigger guys that are in the Western Conference. Yeah, I, I yeah I can see that. So lastly, we have the Lakers, gentlemen. I don't know if you guys heard or not. They brought in this guy, uh, Anthony Davis. We've heard he's pretty good at basketball. Yeah. Um, they brought in Danny Green, former uh, NBA champion, not mm-hmm. just with the Raptors, but with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Nice get for them. Probably the best guard on the team. Rajon Rondo comes back. Um, they bring in Quinn Cook. So basically what they did this year was last year they put all playmakers around LeBron. This year they put all shooters around LeBron and AD to have LeBron be the playmaker. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, Ben. Um, and it pains me to say this. It really does. I think top to bottom, the Lakers have the best roster in the NBA. Um, I think all the pieces fit. I think you look at what they brought in and what they're trying to do. Um, they're, they've built their roster to win a championship. They have Danny Green, who, if anybody's ever watched this guy in, in the playoffs... Um, he like turns into Jesus Shuttlesworth, and he right. just he just makes shots. Um, they also too have tons of defensive presence on their team. Yeah, Avery Bradley, Danny Green, um, obviously Anthony Davis, who's every year defensive of the defensive player of the year candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, Javale McGee, rim protector, and then LeBron can play defense when he wants to. Uh, just whenever he chooses to. He plays it sometimes and sometimes he doesn't. But um, I think that roster is built to get the Lakers to the playoffs and then to put the ball in LeBron's hands to be the playmaker. And now you gave the Lakers a legit go-to option in Anthony Davis. Right. If they gel early, it's going to be trouble. Um, But I think that the Lakers are the team to beat in the West. I could see that. I, honestly, I mean, you know how you say you never doubt, bet against Steph? You don't bet against LeBron either. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this guy's proven it year in and year out that he is just, um, he's just built different, man. He's just built from a different different cloth. Um, I think that um, you had a guy like AD um, who's hungry. AD is hungry. You could tell by the way he Goes about his business. He is so tired of losing. He is so tired. He was so tired of being with the Pelicans that he's now understands that he's got a chance to win um, and win uh, big with LeBron. You know, when you've got those two on a team together, I mean, it's just it's unreal. And I didn't even mention Superman. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you add Dwight Howard, and people want to rag on Dwight Howard. Uh, I think Dwight Howard. Is going to be uh, is going to be a special player, man. I really do, because I think that he's going to bring an element um, that nobody else expects. He's going to be back. He looked like he was in shape. He looked like he was getting up and down the floor. Um, he had nine points and nine rebounds the other night, um, and I think that uh, I think Dwight Howard is coming for the ship, man. I you know I think he's he's excited to be with LeBron. I think he's excited to be on a good team. And he's excited to get this other opportunity to be able to prove himself once again that um, he is an elite player. So um, you also have Rajon Rondo. You'll get Kuzma back. Yeah, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, if you know, you know, Lakers Clippers battle one th- two throughout the year. 
Um, and, and it comes down to those two teams. It's pretty cool to see that, you know, Lakers-Clippers rivalry get this kind of star power. Um, this kind of star power is just absolutely uh, awesome for um, for the NBA. Um, it's like it's like Boston and LA. Um, it's like when the Knicks are good. Um, the Clippers and the Lakers uh, being being good um, is only going to be good for the NBA. So um, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. And and we didn't even mention guys like you know they kept Caldwell Pope who's kind of a utility guy mm-hmm. and don't sleep on my guy Quinn Cook. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Quinn Cook gets buckets. Absolutely. No doubt. Yes, absolutely. All right, gentlemen. So let's go ahead and do this real quick. Let's do let's end the show with our standings predictions for the Pacific Division. How do we see this playing out? Go ahead, Josh. What do you what do you think? So I am going to say Lakers. Okay. You want records or do you... Just standings in general. Okay, we'll yeah, just go standings. Okay. Yeah. We're going to go Lakers, Clippers, and then I'm torn right now between the Kings and the Warriors. Um, but the Warriors have something that the Kings don't, and that's Stephen Curry. So mm-hmm. we're going to go Warriors, Kings, Suns. All right. I like it. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that that's uh, good picks. I would go, I would probably go the same. You went Lakers first, right? Um, I think, the, I think it's going to be flipped. I do think it's going to be Clippers, Lakers. Um, and then, um, Golden State, and then uh, Phoenix will be last. Kings, Phoenix. All right, I think that's where we'll be. Has there ever been a time where both Lakers teams have had this much promise no. going into the season? No, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's been a uh, very rare for sure. Uh, it's it's gonna be neat. I'm excited for it for sure. Uh, it's gonna be great. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think it'll be awesome. All right, I so- really do. So, Josh, you survived your first episode of Shot Callers. Yay! You did yeah. great. So, we're happy to have you here as part of the team, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then next week, it looks like we got... What do we have next week? Is it the Southwest Division? I think so. Ooh, we'll be talking a little Zion Williamson next week. Absolutely. All right. So, every Monday, we'll have Shot Callers during the season. 48 minutes will be Wednesday, and that large will be Friday. So, everyone, thanks for tuning in. If you are tuning in for the first time, you should check out Josh. Uh, make sure you give us a subscription, that nice five-star review. Five-star, five-star, five-star reviews, please. All of them. All of them. All right, guys. Have a great night. Thanks for tuning in.